This is 10 Things I Like About, a 10-minute, 10-episode podcast about unknown or misunderstood wildlife. Welcome to 10 Things I Like About. I'm Kirsten, your host, and this is a podcast about misunderstood or unknown creatures in nature. Some we'll find right outside our doors and some are continents away, but all are fascinating. This podcast will focus 10 10-minute episodes on different animals and their amazing characteristics. Please join me on this extraordinary journey. You won't regret it. This episode continues the coelacanth and the controversy about whether they are a living fossil or not is my fifth thing I like about this ancient animal. Today, I have a guest host joining me, my friend Casey. Thanks for joining me, Casey. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I've been waiting for you to join me. So Casey and I have known each other for a long time. We met as zookeeper, zoo, zookeeper, zookeepers 18 years ago, and we became friends very quickly. Today, Casey's a biology teacher, and when she found out I was doing this podcast, she was excited to help me. I love coelacanths, and uh, I was excited to find out that Kirsten was doing a podcast about coelacanths. Yay! So, we're going to jump right in. When the coelacanth was first discovered in 1938 by Marjorie Courtney Latimer in East London, South Africa, people immediately began calling it a living fossil. I say that with quotation marks. Because this fish had not been seen by modern humans except in fossils. Makes sense to me. But today, there is a big controversy over whether the living coelacanth actually qualify as a living fossil. So, I guess we should start off with a definition of living fossil. Yes. One of the controversies is that there isn't a real um, definition of what a living fossil is. So, I can totally see that that's a problem. Um, But I thought Darwin had defined living fossil back in 1859. So he coined the term living fossil, but it's not really a scientifically accepted word. It's just not measurable in scientific terms. Okay. I think I understand that. But let's let my listeners know what it is so they can follow along with us. So according to Darwin's definition... A living fossil is a species, and this is Charles Darwin, just as a reminder, Charles Darwin, is um, his definition is a li- of a living fossil is a species or group of species that is so little changed that it provides an insight into earlier, now extinct, forms of life. So it can also uh, be described as an organism that has remained relatively unchanged over millions of years, or one that has no or very few close surviving relatives. Okay, well that certainly sounds like the coelacanth to me. I agree. (laughs) However, um, many scientists don't agree on that. Okay, so I have heard that there's some researchers using RNA sequencing to determine whether the coelacanth that we have today is actually a living fossil based on our semi-accepted definitions that we just talked about. So, can you explain that? So, you have to think about the fact that when she found that first coelacanth, that was in the 1990s, right? Right, 1938. 1938. Okay, so back in 1938, we didn't have 
uh, ways to look at the genetics of an organism. And even when the second species was found, I think in the 1990s? 1998, yes. Okay, the same thing. We weren't actually looking at genetics. Well, now we can go in and we can look at the genes. And what we see is that at a molecular level, the coelacanths have been changing over time. Not visually, they still look like a fossil on the outside, like the fossils we have, but genetically on the inside, they are having mutations and genetic variations internally. So they aren't same coelacanths as the fossils. Okay, so looking back at our definition... That says, Darwin's definition is a living fossil is a species or group of species that is so little changed that it provides an insight into earlier, now extinct forms of life. So looking at that one, even though visually the coelacanth that I can go and see at the uh, Natural History Museum in D.C. looks like a fossil, it's not, like, internally. Right. what you're saying. right. I I would say that. And then at the second part of it, which is the other definition I gave, where it says one, no, or very few living, surviving relatives. Well, once that second species was found in 1998, you now not have just this one species of coelacanth. You have two species of coelacanth, which I think also puts a big red X on the other part of that definition. Okay. All right, so that makes a little bit of sense, <laughs> anyways, to me. So we can't call the living, we can't call the coelacanth the living fossil anymore. It's kind of sad. <laughs> it is very sad, um, and I think that that's a neat phrase to use, you know, living fossil. Right. But if we if we think about other primitive organisms that are, are often called, well, they're not primitive, but they're often called primitive organisms because they look very similar to their ancestors, we'd have to call them living fossils as well. Gotcha. And I don't see us calling a chimpanzee a living fossil. Do you? No. <laughs> no. I don't think so. But, so, all right. So when we're looking at it, we'll, we'll recap here. We're looking at him, and he looks physically the same. And that could be maybe... The environment, the habitat that they're in is the same as they were all those years ago in the fossil times. And so physically, they haven't really needed to change because possibly the habitat and what they're doing in that habitat is the same. I agree. Um, I think that what they've seen is geographically that there haven't been changes in their environment. Um, Now, I'm not saying that there hasn't been pollution and there hasn't been other things, but those are things that you wouldn't necessarily see external changes. It would be at that molecular level, at the genetic level, and what they're using is RNA. And so they're pulling RNA and looking at the RNA and looking at the changes within that. And that's something in, so we hear a lot about DNA. DNA and RNA are similar, right? Yes. But they're slightly different. Um, deoxyribonucleic acid is DNA, and ribonucleic acid is RNA. And so what they're doing, um, they're looking at the RNA more in the whole where does the coelacanth fall on the phylogenetic trees on the cladograms as to... Um, history. Um, where do they fall in relation to lungfish and to other fishes? Um, and so they're studying that, and then they're also looking now at 
what changes are happening at the molecular level that takes them out of that whole fossil category. Okay. Okay. So, even though I think he looks the same, internally there's changes. And that, we don't really know why those changes are, right? Mm -mm. We don't have anything. No, they're still studying that. Yeah, we could make some educated guesses, but we don't really know why there is that change. Well, thank you, Casey, for joining me as my guest co-host and helping me with this interesting debate and explaining the RNA and living fossil research on the coelacanth. Well, thank you for having me. I think coelacanths are very interesting and their history is very interesting. Yes. Now we have established that we should not really call the coelacanth a living fossil, even though it's fun to say, but that's okay. So I hope you all enjoyed this look into the living fossil debate because it's my fifth favorite thing about the coelacanth. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please recommend me to friends and family and take a moment to give me a rating on whatever platform you're listening. It will help me reach more listeners and give the animals I talk about an even better chance at change. And join me next week for another episode about the coelacanth. And if you guys have heard any strange noises, that's Edison, Casey's dog. He joined us today as well. This has been an episode of 10 Things I Like About with Kirsten and Company. Original music written and performed by Catherine Camp, piano extraordinaire.